Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I have taken the title of my message today from a word that CC wrote yesterday. Um, and the title of it of my message today is Maximum Surrender. And I want to talk to us about just the beauty of what we're surrendering to. You know, all of your life is a journey into more surrender. You know, the more that we go in God, Bill Johnson, BJ says this, the, the further you go in God, the more tender before his presence you have to be. And think about how do you tenderize meat? You can brine it, stick it in a salt bath. You can beat around on it. That tenderizing of our heart comes as we learn to, and te- we teach ourselves not only to be- behold Him, but to yield to His way over and over and over and over. And that yielding is a tenderizing, if you will, process of not my will, right? But your will be done. A constant, and, and that, that's your life here on earth. That's this journey that we're in, is that those who, when we come in, when we come into the kingdom, we don't even know that the surrender process will go on forever. It's kind of like we sort of have a mentality of one and done. Check. But that, I will just tell you that there's, there's a patience, let's call the title that, there's a patience in maximum surrender where he's leading you into different pockets and different seasons of time. That's why it's so vital that you're connected to an entity, to a housing, to a family, to a covenanted family, to a tribe, whatever name you want to give it, that has the same DNA as you. Because your gifts and your destiny only operate underneath that housing. His destinies are not an independent island. Just like He is three in one. Right? He's made us... He, he understands the value of unity. And unity is more than just occasionally letting someone have their way. Unity is a choice of two parties. That's what a covenant is. It's a choice of two, willing choice of two people. He went first. He willingly chose. Jesus willingly chose to lay his life down. God willingly chose to make mankind and want to partner with mankind on earth. He wants to co-labor with you. It says Jesus is coming back on his high horse with his reward in his hand. So God is a rewarder, not a punisher. And as we understand that, that he is inviting us into a step And that step never ends. And the further I go in God, yes, the more cool stuff I'll do. The more supernatural stuff is possible. But 
the more I have to lay more on the altar. I have to keep giving an offering of surrender, an offering of something that's of my choosing. He didn't hold a gun to our head and say, stick them up. That's how, that's one way to surrender. The other way is to willingly die every day. Willingly say, what's, what's dying? The old nature. The ways of the old Adam nature are not supernatural. That's why we need a savior. Agree? And so that, that coming into all that salvation and the power of resurrection provides is a, is an ongoing journey. And just like with, if you had kids when they were little and they made a mistake, you didn't beat them upside the head, I hope. You actually invited them to walk again. When they walked a little and fell down, you didn't say, well, I guess you're not going to be a good walker. Right? So when God invites us into something, it demonstrates to us how closely knit I am to the heart of God. How much I know I'm a daughter. It's not a word. It's a position. It's your identity. And your entire destiny flows from this identity. You are a son. You are a daughter. You have rights in the kingdom of God as a son or daughter. But as a son or daughter, you know you're not your own. Right? And so I wrote a little snippet today. Um, and I wanted to read it over us. I, I entitled it covenant love is like no other love. His love is fire. His love is passion. As it draws and pulls us into it, we realize more and more that it's his love that satisfies. It's his love that fills. It's his love that overflows. And it's never short of the target of overwhelming acceptance and with no conditions at all. It burns in an ever over-consuming way. It beckons as it burns. This love of a gracious, merciful, faithful father calls to come out into the more. Its only goal is to win the heart of the one this love made. This immersion feast is calling. It's calling to be completely consumed with maximum surrender. The need of this good, good father is only to have you completely, but willingly and humbly to be at the service of this king and to be a lover of the bridegroom. I wanted to state the obvious of what he's calling us into. It is a surrender of this love to this love that went first. You know, it's really the thing we all have wanted. Have you, did you ever hear that little inkling in the back? I hope I find a man, if you're a girl, or if you're a guy, a woman, that will love me no matter what. That will love me unconditional. That will have me at the center of their affection. 
And guess what? That's Jesus. That's not a human. That's this lover of our soul. And as I invest in this love, as I invest in understanding it more, cultivating it more, uh, investing in more, looking at it more, discovering its truths, discovering its ways, then something happens to me. This thing I said yes to that I didn't even know, this decision to follow Jesus that I didn't even know where he was going, this decision begins to encapsulate me in love. It begins to draw me. And then what happens is I begin to be have this metamorphosis of transformation that says I am not anything like I thought I was. You know, I said it on Wednesday night that the story of of David and Goliath and when David was proving to Saul that he could take down Goliath, then Saul only responded in the only way Saul knew how to respond. Take what I've developed, take what I wore, and let me put it on you. And, and I didn't finish reading this on Wednesday, but David said, I can't move around in this. See, when we take on an identity of someone who lost their kingship, you just decide who gave you the identity you're still wrestling with. We take on an identity where we're in clothes of someone who actually lost their position in authority. And we can't move around. It's kind of a good thing because otherwise we would just do some random destiny. We would just be like, yeah, this is good enough. My bar, my orphan bar, I'm touching it with my head almost a little bit. So down low, but I'm good with this. That's why you can't ever say I'm just good where I'm at. I know you're better than you used to be. I hope. (laughs) I hope as we invest in the covenant of God. I hope we're better than we used to be. But this isn't the end. You know, do you understand these spiritual monuments and growths that you're making personally, they'll go on into eternity. His vastness cannot be exalted throughout all. You don't even understand what eternity feels like. Trust me, it's a big long line and you're just a dot on it. This life here is just a dot on it. It's a long time. And we can't exhaust the knowledge. The Bible says we can't exhaust the knowledge of who he is in all of eternity. So that tells me there's a lot to discover. So that is the investment of my heart that I keep investing in discovering more about what? About his love. The second thing I said Wednesday, remember, is that I invest more in, in knowing how to love others as myself. You know, we're going to be, I'm going to plug my my upcoming series. Um, I just suddenly forgot the name of it. Understanding my emotions in, with creativity, something like that. It sounded better on the slide, didn't it? Um, but that's that's about discovering how you can love you more. Listen, this is a cool gig that God did. He put a cap on how well you could love others by how well you love you. Otherwise, we would all be rescuers. See, the rescuing position is because I don't love myself very much. So I can't say no. 
Because I don't want them to feel like me. And see, we need to heal that. Because see, if I want to do my destiny, I can't be a rescuer of people. That's his job. No one's destiny from God says rescuer of all people, savior of people. No one's. That's been satisfied. So that's what I always say. Let's don't do Jesus's job till the day we die and then act like we did the thing, the God thing. See, let me just say it. If you're a rescuer, I've said it before, you're satisfying your own personal need. And see, God came, he gave you needs, and he wants you to understand them. He wants you to redefine them so that actually a human being couldn't meet meet them all. Or we'd make them God. So he made us with needs that only he can meet. Not to be mean, but because that's the design of humanity to actually covenant with the need meter. And see, the weird thing about this covenant, this weird thing about how God made us is that you meet a need in God who has no needs. What did he want? Let's read about it, shall we? Yes, you want to read about it, I know. Let's turn to Hebrews 8. I didn't hear anybody turning. <laughs> that was funny. Hebrews 8. You're good? Are you getting up? You need help? Here comes some help. Oh, no, she gave you the shake off, didn't she? She gave you the, the good choleric. No. She's just doing the rollover. If we only had some pylons, we could be doing a football exercise right now. Hebrews 8. Let's just, just because I can, let's just start at one. I'm really heading, just in case I forget, down to 10, okay? But you know how I get caught up in the Word. I just love to read it. Now, this is the crowning point of what we are saying. We have a majestic king priest. I'm in Hebrews 8 in the Passion Translation. Who ministers for us. Cool, huh? What did a priest do in the Old Testament? What did they do? They stood in they stood in the gap. Thank you, Cheryl. That's a that's a that's a quick road. That's a straight line. They were the go-between. Remember, God didn't want to go between. I mean, I could read you a scripture back in Isaiah. I think I even wrote it down. Let me see if I did. I like you. I'm going to read it to you. Hold on. I have like 700 scriptures, so that makes it difficult. Just Jeremiah. Did I say Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, this is the kind of new covenant I will make with the people of Israel when those days are over. I will put my law within them and will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be their people. So you jump over to Hebrews 8, and that's what he said in verse 10. For here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people of Israel. I will embed my laws within their thoughts. Thank you, passion within their thoughts and fasten them onto their hearts. I will be their loyal God and they will be my loyal people. That has always been God's design for humanity. 
no matter what we've made of it or what we've done with it, this one life, this one chance that you have to live an earthly life is to do that. Embed the laws of God and fasten them on your mind and on your heart. And see, it's impossible to sin when his laws are embedded within your mind and your heart. The only thing you want to do is live by the embedded laws of God. That's why it's so imperative that you know the word. It's so imperative that you don't just hear me talk, that you go home and be a king, search out a matter, go home and invest your time throughout all your hours of the week. I have one hour on Sunday, go invest all your time throughout the week, investigating what I said to find out if it's true, find out how you can understand it, find out how you can live by it, and then do some really cool things like actions and obedience that proves you read it. It should change your mind where you've had struggle before. It should turn into yoked up with the easy Jesus. It should change some behaviors. You shouldn't be able to live with yourself and do the same thing you used to do when the word is being embedded in you. It should arrest your heart on a regular basis. But if this is all it's going to be, I'm just going to read it. And you're going to be like thinking about lunch. I'm thinking about lunch. I didn't have dinner. I'm thinking about lunch. But see, I have to tell my mind that's part of the renewal process. Focus on what I'm getting training for. I'm getting training to go do something next week. We're not, we didn't just come here to sing some pretty songs and me pat you on the back and some people laugh a lot. We came to get training. That's our mission at One Life is to train people to go out into your jobs, into the highways and byways and compel them to what? Know Jesus. This is not it. This is just a training hub. We're, you're to go out and make something. Go make some pies. Go make something. Right? And so when I know the word and it's embedded, let's just, I still have to read the whole thing, can I? Don't get all sidetracked. I've already read my verse. We have a magnificent king priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God, and he's enthroned with honor next to the throne of the majestic on high, of the majesty on high too. You should just think about that picture every now and then. He serves in the holy sanctuary in the true heavenly tabernacle set up by God, not by men. Since every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so the Messiah also had to bring some sacrifice. But since he didn't qualify to be an, excuse me, an earthly priest, and there are already priests who offer sacrifices prescribed by the law, he offered in heaven a perfect sacrifice. Not going to do another gig, right? It's done. That's a good thing. It's done for now, right? The priests on earth serve in a temple that is a copy, but a copy modeled after heaven after the heavenly sanctuary. Who gave we I preached on this a few weeks ago about the patterns. Who gave the pattern on how they built the, the tabernacle on earth with Moses? God. It was really specific. If you want to understand that's that's the cool thing about surrender and covenant is that it has a pattern. It has rules and standards and plumb lines and structure. It is really important that we understand the structure in which our gift, 
operates in. It doesn't operate on independent island. It operates in a structure of a covenant. And see, whereas your gift isn't, it's, it doesn't depend on somebody else. It depends on you being in the covenant. But if within that covenant, say the covenant partner pieces out, your, your destiny doesn't end. That's why that the family of God is, is so important to God. That God gave specific instructions for the family of God. Think about Jesus when he talked to people that were in the religious community. He was really hard on them. He called them a bunch of names. He beat them with some whips. Remember in Peter's day, they came in, they lied, they just dropped down dead. See, there are standards, right? I, I propose that we've gotten away from the standard to live within comfort. You know, at the end of the day, this is what everybody's going to say. Well, in my past, somebody did me wrong song. I had a pastor that wasn't good. I had a coworker, a husband, a spouse, whatever. I had a friend. I had family members. Everybody's got that story, right? It's what I do with that story. God came to heal the story to restore what? Restore your ability to understand you're a son, that you're a daughter. Not for you to make up a new game, you know. I mean, pretty soon it's not even going to be bad that I'm a woman preacher because we clearly can be anything we want. So all the people offended that I'm a woman and I'm preaching, you, I can just call myself a man and you'll be good, right? See, it's an ant. All of society's L's and their and their way they're solving problems is due to this problem right here. There is no surrender. I'm an. They're an independent island. You know, it's just like the abortion law. If you go back to the woman who they used, the lawyers used her to develop the case that that caused abortion to be legalized. If you go back and hear her story, that she didn't even want that. You see what happens in society when no one is a disciple. When no one takes their position. There's people in this room, let me give you a prophetic word, that are supposed to be in the political arena. So, you know, you better sharp, you better get sharp because it's an ugly world. Because why? It's making policies, it's making laws, it's making your children learn stuff you don't want them, and we're just sitting by going, well, that's just the way of the world. Okay, I did. <laughs> we could go home now, right? I think I'm on verse 5. The priest, um, the priest, yeah, the priest on earth serving the temple that was a copy, but a copy modeled after the heavenly sanctuary, a shadow of the reality. For when Moses began to construct the tabernacle, God warned him and said, You must precisely follow the pattern I revealed to you on Mount Sinai. Do you think he changed his mind now? Is he like, you just do anything you want to do. Now, we're New Testament people. We're New Testament people. We're covenant people. We get to, you know, with grace. We have grace. We just do anything you want. Well, not if you want to walk in the supernatural, you don't. If you want to walk, if do you want to walk in, I want to do things that are not earthly. I want to, if, if it's not going on in heaven, I don't want it to be going on around my plot of land. 
And I have way more authority with what I say, with what I pray from a heart that believes. If not, it's just lip service. It's like you saying something out loud. See, here's the process. At first, you realize that your mouth's running amok. I like Lynn. She's on that process of saving her mouth. And so she blurted out something yesterday. And right there, she's like, oh, that's that thing right there. I'm saying what's really going on that's obvious, that's natural. But I was meant to see the thing that's going on and tell it how to be. And if I don't know the word, I want to be telling it my best case scenario. Make me comfortable. Make sure no pain comes to me. Make sure nobody knows. I mean, we just, we water it down. But really, we're supposed to be saying, is this looking like heaven? And do I have, remember I preached on this a few weeks ago. Is it a, do you have the permission or do you have the ability? He already said you had the permission. So if the things of the supernatural that I even long and hunger for, do you long and hunger that there's no sickness anywhere you go, that you know all sickness is of the devil and that you're meant to change it? And if I'm not 100% successful in healing everybody I pray for, then I need to go back to the drawing board and ask him, what do I need to tweak? He's not going to change the standards and say, yeah, I'm not really a big healer. In fact, I just kind of pick or choose. Like, I mean, some people I heal and some people I don't. So I'm co-laboring. Listen, God isn't going to come into human form anymore. Jesus did it. Guess what? Jesus lives in you. You're the human form of God. You're the human form that operates with the power of the Holy Spirit, with Jesus living within you, and you're supposed to be doing what? Only what you see the Father doing. So if my mouth doesn't line up with the Word, then I'll actually prophesy. If I have fear, I'm I'm saying what fear says, I will get it. Because you're so powerful. That that alone should make me want to check it. I love what Lynn's been doing. She just, right then, man, she just repents. She just says, that is not right, that I'm a prophet. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to say that things are not as though they are, and this is what I say is going to happen. That takes training. That takes feedback. That takes hanging out with some people that hear you in troubling times. That takes being able to say, I'm wrong. I am spewing nastiness out of my mouth. Blessings and cursings ought not to be. I have this powerful gift of faith operating in me. It's clear I do because I know Jesus and I'm sitting here and I need some training. And so I need to learn how to train. So get up and snug up to somebody. Learn something in troubling times before troubling times come. I mean, in the middle of a battle, I've been preaching on spiritual battle, right? Spiritual warfare. In the middle of the battle, I already have to know who I am. Personally, I'm a bride. Right? Here's what happens. Papa, you're magnificent. You're wonderful. I just thank you. I just thank you that's going to work out. I just thank you. I'm just already into worship. Just immediately. Whatever. If you're battle ready, go get a snake and cut its head off. Do some action. 
do some action to penetrate into the enemy's forces as opposed to going, oh, I didn't see that coming. Well, of course you didn't see it coming. It's invisible. The war, the supernatural war is invisible. God's invisible. Only the surrendered heart sees God. Blessed are the blank, for they see God. Pure. Pure. I'm glad Jesus came so we could be pure, so we can see. If you need him to keep doing another sacrifice for you to believe you're pure, then you're probably going to have a hard time seeing him. That thing's been done. You're a pure in his eyes. The only one that matters. You're pure, so now you get to see him. And what are you going to do when you see him? You're going to do something. Keep going, can I? But now Jesus, verse 6, Messiah has accepted a priestly ministry, thank you, which far surpasses theirs since he's the catalyst of a better covenant which contains far more wonderful promises. Man, see, right now, this should make you want to go back and read that story of when God brought the kids out of Egypt. What did he, why did he do it? And what did he want from them? What was his desire? Why did he make such a big scene? Why did he drown all of the people, the Pharaoh people? <laughs> ask some questions. Come on, I ask all the questions. Start asking. That was so good what Tessa said today. I love that word. Yeah. Ask some questions. Why didn't you just make all the waves? Why? It's clear. What, I mean, had you thought about asking that question before? So, see, that was really cool. That's the kind of questions a king asks. He's A king is asking questions to grow. Not questions to say, why did you do it that way? It's asking questions. He does everything specifically for a reason and never makes mistakes. And everything God does is to protect love. All of his anger is to protect love. It would be good if we developed that same kind of attitude. Yes. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're, in fight, we're fighting an invisible war. Think about it. So my weapons that work on an invisible war are different than the things I use on things I can see. Verse 7 for if that first covenant had been faultless, no one would have needed a second one to replace it. But God revealed the defect and limitation of the first when he said this, Look, the day will come when I will satisfy the people of Israel and Judah by giving them a new covenant, an entirely different covenant than the one I made with their fathers when I led them out of Egypt. Um but they didn't do what he said. They didn't remain faithful, so he rejected them. But he, for here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people of Israel. I will embed my laws within their thoughts and fasten them onto their hearts. I will be their loyal God, and will be they will be my loyal people. I love in the Amplified, it says that I will imprint my laws upon their minds, even upon their innermost thoughts and understanding. And I will engrave them upon their hearts, affecting 
the regeneration. That tells me something. It's my knowledge and acceptance of the new covenant that restores me. He leads me into something I've never experienced. I don't know how to act. Have you ever been married? I've been married. I didn't know how to act while I was married. Neither did my ex-husband. He wanted to act like he was single, and we had a problem. Right? Because I made a covenant, and he made a choice of convenience. I was a good cook. Sorry. <laughs> no, see, listen, we, were, we became unequally yoked because we had a different goal. Right? And see, that's the thing. And that's why you can't just go to just any church. There's all kinds of amazing churches doing amazing things. But find your covenant people. Find who has the DNA that you want to be like. Find a leader you want to be like. Find something that you want to follow. Because see, God requires us to follow. That's the first step in accepting him. Come and follow me. Right? Yeah. He, they, they had, the disciples had seen what Jesus had done. Yeah. So when he said, come follow me, they knew what they were following. They, they already believed. That's why I'm against the belong before you believe. But let's not get into it. There's <laughs> cursors everywhere. But listen, if you, you have to have a form of belief. Yes. They were seeing Jesus do all kinds of stuff. There was belief first. That's the faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so God put faith in you. Yeah. We act like we can find faith and go get us some, buy us some off the store shelf. Faith was embedded in you, given to you. And without it, you can't please him. So just exercise it. Start hoping for some stuff you don't have yet. And don't just make it a candy bar or a car. Make it a soul or a family member or make it something that has eternal value instead of just some materialistic thing. Because all the stuff that he said he would already provide for, if you seek him first, he's providing that. You're not even doing that. Proverbs says it's useless to go out and toil and spin and work hard for something to eat. Because he said he's already provided that. But in the New Testament, if you don't work, you don't eat. So which one is it? It's the mental capacity to say, this is hard. I don't like to go to work every day. You're missing, your po- you're missing the point of getting up and going to work. It's not to buy you a car. It's not to pay you rent. And when you make that mind shift, giving and, and God, God's blessings changes everything in your life. Then you know, this is all his, and he's the one that's giving it to me, and he can tell me what to do with it. 11. And as the result of this will be that everyone, say everyone, will know me as Lord. The result of what? Result of this new covenant. That's what's happening, is that there has, see, the enemy is stupid and he always reveals his hand. See, what God does is God begins a movement across the earth that is, can't be seen by everyone, cannot be seen by everyone. And the enemy sees it. 
He sees that little pocket over in Indonesia or somewhere, wherever it's happening, and he begins to counterfeit it. And all we begin to do is focus on the counterfeit. Listen, in this dream I had last night, I this is a prophetic dream. And so in this dream, I, we were about to do a play, a drama, and I was going to direct it. And, and what happened was that somebody decided to wrap me in gauze. And the way they had wrapped me in gauze was so funny that when I saw myself in the mirror, I just began to crack up. And I woke myself up laughing, went back into the dream, woke myself up. I mean, I was like hysterically laughing, like crying laughing <laughs> so hard when I woke up. Like it, tears were running down my face because I was laughing so hard. And when I woke up, the Holy Spirit, I got you. When I woke up, the Holy Spirit said, Laugh at how the enemies try to cover up your destiny. It's just a gauze coating. Laugh at how he tried to counterfeit it. Right now, just envision what was put on you and laugh at that oh my gosh he was trying to hoodwink me the whole time he was trying to make me be some idiotic thing that i would never be anointed or funded to do and now he's opened my eyes to see this creativity flowing in me that's the covenant and see as those laws become embedded i learn them i'm not good at them at first i'm a toddler I mess up on people. It's fun, isn't it? That's what somebody was doing when they messed up on you. You know, they were just juvenile. Right? Now, you know, I'm not talking about abusive situation. I mean, I don't need it. So, you know, we have to remember that, that we are discovering how to wield these treasures in an invisible war. In, with an enemy that doesn't play fair. But God already won the victory. So see, all those mindsets I get correct. All sicknesses of the devil. I'm meant to be a healer. Everybody can hear from God so I can give everybody a prophetic word. All of that's possible. It's not some special hierarchy person. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Every, it says my sheep will know my voice. It's so good to remember that his voice is looking for a vessel to operate in this scene war with invisible tools. And see, what happens is, in my opinion, is that in life when we get hurt and we get injured, we've all talked about this a lot around here, but that we develop ways of operating on earth and we call those systems, right? And so... I am constantly, I wrote this one little snippet down that, hold on, that we are always going to experience two things simultaneously. On one side, we're learning to trust and learning to wait and learning to lean. And on the other side, we're creating and constructing and partnering. That's really should make up the two sides of us. So one minute it's wait, trust the waiting, trust the promotion, learn to lean. 
And the other side, he's like, make that, make that, make that, do that, go there, say that. It's going on all the time. If we get those exchanged and we go make something when we were supposed to be waiting, then that doesn't work out like we thought. And see, a lot of us are like, well, God said it. Well, no, you said it. He said, wait. And you said, go. And so it just didn't work out. But that's okay. We're still waiting. I love when God's doing something. There's something God's brewing right now in our little tribe. And I, I know all the sides. And I like, I like to see how hard it is for people to wait. And it's like, oh, should I say something? Should I do something? Should I make something happen? Wait. It, we're in the waiting. We don't like waiting. Because then the enemy says, you're missing it. You're going to be old and not be accomplished. And when you're old, you missed it because you were waiting. See, that covenant, and that's why you need a people. That's why you need feedback. Because someone's, the iron sharpening iron, don't you want to get sharper? Well, get up to some sharp iron then. Get up next to somebody that that bugs you. (laughs) Get right up against them. Get up there near them. Let them scrape a little something off. Some of y'all need some little rubbing. Y'all are a little pokey. You're not quite shiny. Get up and you just kind of avoid everybody. Only, you know, hang out with people like you or don't talk to anybody. You know, this next season, I just really feel like prophetically God told me this is a cool season of vulnerability in a new level. And see, vulnerability isn't that we just cry in front of everybody. Right. 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 Vulnerability is actually allowing the Holy Spirit to use my story to infiltrate the lies in somebody else's life. Can he use your story? You know, Mendel's the most vulnerable person on the planet, and I think she just enjoys every single second of her life here on the planet. (laughs) You know, it's hard because she's come from a lot of abuse. She's come from people that abused her. She's come from relationships that didn't honor her. She's come from a whole bunch of people who had no idea who she was, and they just tried to change her. She's had people tell her she had the wrong skin color. And then she goes to Dr. Dempsey, and he's like, Oh, you got the smoothest skin. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just a little kiss from Papa. Wrong lip color. Oh man, those lips are so beautiful. Doctor Dempsey just oh, <laughs> so glad it was a doctor. You know, see, God has a way of balancing out with truth what someone else hated on about yes. us. I mean, I've been made fun of for my long legs my whole life, but then me and Shooty got together and we're normal. (laughs) You know, he just has a way of normalizing what he made. Like realizing that, did you know he made you just like he intended? You didn't come popping out and he went, whoa, that was a surprise. (laughs) I didn't know her hair would do that. No, it was intentional. He's an intentional creator. He's a creative. He's meant, he is, he is meant what he said when he made you. And, and in that, in that whole thing, we're simultaneously. So here's what it says. So the balance lies in knowing where we are and just following and never in our panic, taking the lead back. Come on, be honest with yourself. 
When it's not going like you think, how many of y'all just like, I can do it. And you have gotten so far down the road and you're like, there's no one following me. There's, there is no one with me. There is no, everyone's like, you're doing that solo in that movie and everyone's going, what are you doing? That's what independence does. You end up independent. You end up alone. And guess what? The design, if you could just just think, you know, I'm a designer in my remodeling world. And so when a design comes together, then it's like, I saw that in my head. And then I made that happen in a box, in a house. Right? And so he, you know, God is this great designer. And so Try your best to spend time with the designer of you, to seeing the uniqueness of you and how amazing you are. And then ask him to show you all the places someone else wrapped a bunch of gauze around you. Are you living? I mean, in this thing, I mean, I couldn't even move. So that's how we live. When we've put on somebody else's clothes, we live in this place, right? where we're not authentic to who we are. And so that vulnerability comes with, hey, I think I'm believing a lie. You know, one of the best ways to know if you're believing a lie is if you have a tick. How many have ever had a tick? Raise your hand. Keisha, I always like to use Keisha. Where does that come from? It's a nervous habit that was developed out of an injury. If you could do a little movie of your life and you back up, and you look at what happened when you're injured that created that tick. That's an indicator of a, a under the service activity that's going on when that same response comes up in you, same emotion comes up there. Man, there it goes. There it goes. You just can't control it. And see, the, these are all places that God wants to heal us, that someone done something to us wrong. And he wants us to look at that and say, that's not how he designed us. It's not a bad thing. It's not your fault, probably. But he didn't design you that way. So wouldn't you want to return back to the original design and live out of that freedom? That's my only goal. Is that that we offer any kind of counseling, any kind of sozos, any kind of encounter. All of it is for what? To restore you back to your original design. To come in, get healing. We do healing art. We do all these things. Why? To say, hey, come and invest in vulnerability. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about something in your heart that's hidden that you don't know. Let him speak to you about why you feel that way, why you think like that. Let him restore and renew your mind. And that whole process is for something. It's not just say, I'm healed, done, check. It's so that you operate in your destiny through wholeness. Whole people create whole people. Hurt people create hurt people. Admit you're hurt. You know, Cece and I are working on this thing right now where she just tells me if I hurt her feelings. She's never done it before. She still never has done it. But I discover, (laughs) I discover because, you know, she's such an extreme introvert that she doesn't ever want her pain to be the cause of any adjustments. That went right over your head. And so I'm trying to teach her, you have to tell me, because I'm an extrovert. I don't know if y'all know that. I am an extrovert, and she is not. 
And so as we are working on ministry things together and we're working on words together, I can be flippant. I can be extrovert. I can, I cannot give enough concern towards an area of sensitivity for her. This happens with all of y'all. You may not know it, but I'm just being vulnerable now. And so in that moment, I have to say, I think I've hurt her. She has yet to tell me I have, but I'll say, was that, was that painful right now? I mean, like, was that hurtful? Like, did I hurt you? And it's, it's been really difficult for her to say yes. Like, I think we've done it three times now. So that's success in 10 years, right? But, but see, I can tell why, because her demeanor changes. Remember what I said last week? We're going to learn to be stewards of stories. Just say to yourself right now, I want to know someone's story so much that I become a good steward of their story, not just my own. See, we're all good about knowing our own story. You're well-versed. You know all the chapters. You know all your needs. You're always trying to get people to meet your needs. What if you became the steward of someone else's story? I mean, I'm just inviting you this next season to be thinking like that and to be thinking that until those things come out of me, that are in the way until I invest time and energy. You have no idea how much time and energy Cece has spent healing the wounds of her past for God to open up this realm of creativity in her. It was zero existent till she was 40. Think of that. God cracked open the shell at 40 years old. You are a recipient of a cracked open life that is living completely authentic outside of what she did for, for 40 years. 40 years is significant to God. Okay, before I, before I finish, I want to say one more thing. Are you all good? Yes. A couple, two things to remember this week. James 4, it says, So surrender then to God. That's what we're talking about today. New levels of maximum surrender. Cece's going to read a word to you about it a little bit. Surrender to God. Stand up to the devil. Resist him. And he will turn and run. <laughs> so my first step is what? Surrender. The next step is stand up to the devil. Did you do what I told you to do a few weeks ago? If you were the devil, what would he strategically locate on you to punk you all the time? Have you been noticing it at all? Yes. Okay, so stand up to him and say, I know it's just you. How many does he use people? All the extroverts raise their hands. So, that see, that's what he uses. That's, you got to know that strategy for the enemy. Most of the introverts is their head, but most of the extroverts is people. Why are these stupid, stupid people existing on the planet? I love Lynn got a text this week from somebody who was like, hey, I'm thinking about sending out this text, and I just thought... For a moment, <laughs> I would just run it by you. Look at that small pump of the brake. Did you see it? Pump, pump, pump. And what do you think Lynn said? Yeah, I don't send that. Oh, I'm glad I checked. See, that just, that's just how it happens right there. Right there. Just that slight pumping of the brakes. And then wisdom prevails. Then you don't have so much cleanup. And then you don't have to be a professional apologizer. <laughs> move your heart closer and closer to God yes. that sounds like maximize surrender yes. to me and he will come even closer to you yes. 
Come on, Mendel. Wow, Papa, thank you so much for pulling all of that out of Tisa today. It was so good. It's just fire. It's fire. It's what we live for, right? So I have, um, I'm going to go ahead and share that other word too, Tisa, if that's okay. Um, I got a word from Papa this morning, and let me see if I can find it here. Um, but then I had this word yesterday too that I spent some time writing and I want to share with you guys. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, oh, this is such a good message and goes along with what I've been hearing from the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you a heads up about what some of this is going to look like. This is my experience. It's a heads up. Okay. Papa said this morning, I'm removing the toxins from the flow you drink from. There are impurities in your beliefs that you think are actually me, that you think actually apply to me. There are toxins in the flow you drink from, contaminants that won't serve you well as we move ahead. These contaminants were designed by the enemy, purposefully infiltrated, into what seemed to be good and wholesome, something that you would willingly drink, strategically placed so he can activate them at the most strategic times. This is his common way. He hopes that these toxins will fly under the radar and he'll be able to operate without notice. But he underestimates the extent of my fathering. He can't fool me. I see with perfect clarity where these toxic beliefs are hidden, and I will strategically remove them. You must trust me with the things I bring to the surface. You must trust me to deal with them, to sort them out, to untangle them from your thoughts. It won't always happen in an instance, in one day. Trust me to see it through to the end. Practice extending your trust of me in new ways with this. Trust me to sort, detangle, reveal, and remove these toxins completely. Simply stay with me and experience my fathering. So I love how the Holy Spirit works. You know, he gets us all excited and riled up and, and he, he creates this hunger in us to press into new things. And then all of a sudden something pops up and you're like, well, that just makes me want to lay down and forget, forget everything, right? It's like, well, that's no fun. That's not part of this excitement. That's not part of what I was hungry for. And so we've got to recognize that he's doing a, a work in us constantly because as we start to feel that hunger to step into new areas and to trust him more, to press into these things, then he all he, in that moment, he knows that he's got, there's something he's going to have to remove from that's out ahead of you that's going to come up. And so it's by his grace and mercy that he'll bring that thing to the surface. It's not just an obstacle to what you were trying to do. It's actually strategically timed healing. Okay, so in the moment, if we can remember when that thing just rises up, that looks like it's such a nuisance, such an obstacle, that thing you thought was dead, you thought you killed it off, you thought you were healed of that thing. It's just another layer that he's going to scrape off the surface 
when it rises to the top so that you can pursue the hunger that he's given you. So that's a heads up for you, okay? So as I said, he's been creating this this new kind of hunger that I've been experiencing, this new, it's like he's entreating me into the deep, into a deeper place, into something just beyond. Like I'm, I, he takes me right up to this, what looks like a veil or right at the very limits of, of my own limits of some kind. And then he's just drawing my, my eyesight to something beyond that. Like it's just pulling this hunger up in me and entreating me in a, in a brand new way, then it's just growing in intensity. And so I know he's doing that for everyone. I know that's what he's doing in the world. He's, he's drawing us into something magnificent. And so yesterday, um, in my time with him, I was actually was just adoring him and, and these words of affection were coming and I was just spending time, um, you know, giving voice to that affection for him. And I found myself like this, all these words were just spilling out and they all, they were rhyming. And I was like, wow, look at this. What's, what's happening here? I'm not even thinking about this. You know, this is kind of cool. And so I, I, this, that hunger I mentioned started coming up in me about what lies beyond the borders that I've put in place, you know, because, because I know that I've created those systems that she talked about for 40 years. I, I had operating systems that were finely tuned machines, you know, they were, I was running them. I I believed in them. I thought they worked and I was running with them. And so I've been in this renewal process now for, for a few years of having to let those things die of, of resist operating in those systems to experience his renewed mind, to experience the abundant life that he promised and all, all that he is. And so I, I started writing this Uh, writing from that place. Okay. I just started writing from this place of hunger and I wanted to share it with you, share what came in that moment. And I hope that it will entreat you in the same way. Um, and just, and just breathe on that fire that I'm sure he's doing in you too. So I wrote, what lies beyond these borders I've made? What lies beyond the lies that say such a thing is impossible in this day? There's more, I sense. There's more, a vast expanse, a greatness beyond anything we could measure, not far away, but closer than we could imagine. A galaxy of stars, too many to count, a force of nature like waves in the sky, something made to truly blow the mind. This great expanse is not far from us, not out of reach, but laying in the deep in the places buried beneath all that occupies our hearts and minds, restricting us from seeing all that's truly inside. Yes, inside, inside, right here in the depths of me, not far away, not out of reach, but right here inside the boundaries of my own humanity. We learn to walk and learn to build, not just catapults for growth, launching pads for momentum, or structures for success, but walls and borders and segregating rivers, territories and lands that we designate for others but cut off from him. 
spaces and places with reservations where only the elite can enter in, those who've managed to overcome our boundaries and capture our gaze, restricted and cut off from the one who designed it all. But what if, what if we said he could truly have it all? What if we stayed still long enough to let him enter? If we laid down our weapons of self-protection for more than a minute, for longer than our ability to hold our breath? What if in the deeper surrender, we open up galaxies of wonder, mysteries unspoken, beauties never seen, abilities and connections with heaven's own king? What if the satisfaction of all our dreams lie just beyond our borders? What if it's more than that, but a whole new dream, one that could only be conceived by divinity? Maybe his dreams lie in this place. Maybe his fantasies are meant to be realities, and he's just waiting on this one thing, our surrender at the place of our self-made borders. Maybe breathing is meant to do more than sustain us in the moments we find ourselves in. Maybe this oxygen we're breathing is meant to fuel a mission of divine proportion. Could the dream be buried in your deep? Could the king be speaking just beyond the walls you've put in place? Maybe it's only a whisper because of all that's smothering the echo of his voice. Just beyond the walls, just beyond the borders, just beyond our place of maximum surrender, there's more to be discovered in this life we've been given. There's more. There's more. So let's fling wide the doors Let's face the place that seems like the edge of impossible and not back down, not withdraw with some false sense of contentment, but rise with a hunger unspoken inside, funneling the passion, what we've tasted so far, to rise up, to lift us up and over the turmoils and troubles that leave us hindered, to, le- to feel for the first time the wind beneath us, as we soar on grace-powered wings of eagles. No longer tethered to the things of earth, but captivated and purely motivated by divine love set free inside of you and me. I think the pressing in is more like trusting, more like surrendering. I think our journey will extend beyond the wandering when we press in to trusting. In those moments where choices are made to pick up the tools of our self-made trade, we choose instead to resist the temptation to wield them. How strong are we at facing the issue, the obstacle before us, without picking up our own axe for battle? What kind of stamina do we have when we face giants to hold on to the promise without surrendering it? Can we maintain our stand without wielding our self-made weapons? 
Fight or flight are the two options noted by man, but what if God is telling us to just stand? What if there's a strength we haven't yet tapped into when we simply stand? The Father desires to fight for our land. He's waiting for us to get off of the battlefield so he can wield his weapons on our behalf. Now, I have to be honest, I wasn't entirely sure what the standing would look like. I knew what it would look like for me, but we all have different places that we need to come up higher in or get lower in. We're all in different places. And, but I, when, she, when Tisa read that verse, James 4, 7, I saw it. So then, surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Stand, just stand. And that is going to look different for each one of us, but it's always going to be that moment. Resisting him, resisting the thing that you used to react with, the, the tools you used to use to respond to him with, and, and inviting him to come in, putting on that armor of God that we talked about on Wednesday. So I want to pray Ephesians 3 over you guys as we close up. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God, final verse 21, all the glorious praise. 
that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. We offer up all the praise to you, Papa. All the glorious praise. All the glorious praise. Papa, we just say we love you. We love you. We love you. All the honor and the glory goes to you. All the honor and the glory goes to you. We just look forward to have new testimonies to share, to have new moments of deep surrender to share with you and to give you all the glory and honor for those moments. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you in advance for all that you are entreating us to enter into right now. Thank you for the surrendering that you are in, you are um, filling us with the ability to do. You've given us the ability to act on this word today. We would not have heard it today if you hadn't supplied us with all that was needed to act on it. And so I say, be alive. I say, I just speak life over this word. I say it is alive. It is active. It is living and breathing and supernaturally empowered in you today. And nothing can stop it from being active in your life and creating change. So we just thank you, Papa. We just thank you. We say, let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.